Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Aaron Ng and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and much, much more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you'll keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. Getting married is full of joy, planning, expectations, and excitement. And along with all that, also some surprises as you spend more time than ever with your significant other and make a home together. Today, we have a pair of newlyweds with us as we talk about the surprising finds on the journey of wedded bliss. Welcome to the show, Ruben and Ronis. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having us. Hello, hello. And could you introduce yourselves to our listeners? What do you both do and how long have you been married? Hi everyone, my name is Ronis. I'm 25 this year. I'm currently a master's student studying in London. And before this, I was working as a communications officer at the Ministry of Communications and Information. And this is my husband, Ruben. Hi everyone, my name is uh, Ruben and I'm 26 this year. I currently own a small business focused on toy making. I primarily work on the product design and manufacturing engineering aspects of the business. And we've been married for about four months now. Yeah, married life has been awesome. Yeah, it's been a real process of learning about each other, the family backgrounds that we come from, and how to do this crazy marriage thing together. But yeah, 1010 would would definitely recommend. <laughs> would recommend. Congratulations, four months. And how has it been, you know, like now that you have also moved to UK and, and life is so different there, how has it been for the both of you? Yeah, I think it's been a really, really amazing ride would tend to recommend as well. I think there have been really many moments of refining and challenging, but it's also been really, really, really beautiful. You know, I, I never thought that marriage would be so fun. It's like a permanent sleepover with your best friend, but topped up with a little dose of blessings of going through the real life, like the hardships, the settling of disagreements and tiring, like just everyday life. But it's really beautiful. We really, really enjoy it so far. So it's been an interesting two years. You know, looking back, you can see that every time there's uh, restrictions that were lifted and suddenly there'll be a spate of weddings because people had to postpone their wedding plans due to all these uncertain times. Perhaps you can share with us what your own wedding was like. Four months ago, it must be fresh in your mind. Do you have to push back the date and were there any changes you have to make along the way? To quickly give some context to our story, so we've been dating for five years, and fun fact, uh, Ruben has liked me since he was 14, and so now he's 26, so it's been a long time. But getting married definitely wasn't part of our 2021 plan, like, none of that was in our resolutions, you know. But I think God knew better, and I think we are, like, so much better for it. So in, like, April, May this year, I was presented the opportunity to do my master's in London on a full scholarship. So between, like, long-distance relationship, which we had done, like, two years prior when Ruben was in the States, versus getting married and going together as a married couple, with, like, the full blessing of, like, our parents and our community, uh, we did feel that we were ready to take the next step into marriage, lah. Mm. Yeah, really long and crazy story, but 
Uh, I think the short version of it is that from the moment I proposed to Ron, uh, it was only 41 days till we got married. And then another three weeks before we flew to the UK. So really crazy ride and like something that we couldn't have done without our really, really amazing family and community. And doing this in a pandemic wasn't straightforward at all. It wouldn't be for anybody, right? But like much less on such a compressed timeline of um, just over a month, both on the emotional front and also the more practical things like actually arranging a wedding, you know, like having safe distancing plans in place or getting vendors and venues, stuff like that. So I think if you were to ask, you know, like if you had a longer runway, would would it have like resulted in a less stressful, less intense process? For sure. But I think having the constraints in place really focalized what things were important. What were the non-negotiables? What were the nice to have? And I think having these unusual parameters made us hone in on things that really mattered in our moment of coming together, right? Such as a focus on people, honoring and celebrating our relationships with uh, community and family, and also remembering God's faithfulness in our story from start to end. Yeah, as opposed to getting a uh, operationally and optically perfect wedding. I think I remember like as a bride, I had so much pressure to like get everything done, you know, to plan like my so-called like, dream wedding, you know, like people we expect me to like have the perfect dress and the location and the flowers and everything. And then topped up with like the crazy timeline of 41 days, right? But I think when I decided to just simply enjoy the process and really let go of the stress and the expectations and like not let the stress get to me. And then that was when I was able to like fully enjoy the process. Yeah. And then I even told God like, just give me like the, the first time I walk into the wedding dress place, right? Just give me the first dress that I see. That would be my wedding dress. Yeah, like I have no time, God. Like, you know me, just give me the first wedding dress that I see to be like the one, you know. And then it ended up being so... Yeah, so just crazy stories like that. (laughs) So I hear you, Ruben, you know, talking about stripping down all the excesses and just bare minimum, like what is required for a wedding, right? Is the relationships, is the people that matter, is really honing down to what is the essential. We also hear it in recent surveys done locally in Singapore that the couples were a bit more reluctant to start a family. They were actually like sort of waiting. Is it time to get married yet? Should I delay this for another year or two? But instead, you made a decision and in 41 days, you got married. So how do you feel about that as in like now processing and, and reflecting about that? Do you think that it's something that the accelerated time actually helped you or it sort of like forced you to make a decision? Was it been helpful for you? The whole 41 days thing, I think it's not something we would necessarily like recommend to people as a template, you know, like, oh, you know, doing this 41 day thing is like really, really good. I, I think it was just what we were presented with. But I also think like what you were saying, the parameters of like the 41 days like gave us a, we had to be focused because if we have a year and like, and that's like our timeline, then a lot of the things that we would be able to plan would be like, oh, you know, what would be the perfect dinner venue, you know? And then those would be the things that we'd be thinking about. But then with 41 days, it's like, okay, the, the stuff that's really on a priority list are really, really clear, you know? Like, who do we uh, want to honor, right? Like, how do we want uh, to do this wedding? You know, who do we want to involve? Like, uh, what is like at the, the foremost of um, even like the service or like the dinner, you know? Like, what, what are the things we really, really want to focus on? We didn't feel by the end of it that we had lost anything. We, we didn't have like as long a time as like most people do, but we didn't feel like we were worse off for it. Yeah, I really, really feel like actually the intensity and like the focus um, of the season really helped us, you know, and and it, it, it made us like discipline on what we were looking at. So yeah. Ronis, how did that affect your parents' view on this? Yeah, you know what? I, I think I was really proud of how my parents handled it. I really 
expected them to kind of have like a, huh, only can invite X amount of people. Ah. You know what about the auntie, the uncle, you know, I find them over from Hong Kong. Like, you know, all these like expectation of parents. Um, but I was really proud of how they handled it. I think because they saw like other weddings, like newspapers, you know, or like they hear about it from their friends as well. And they kind of know that we had it quite good already because our wedding SMM restrictions was lifted one day before our wedding. The phase 2A, I think back then, restrictions were lifted one day right before our wedding. So we could do like 100 um, people at the sanctuary where we had our service in the morning compared to people who only had like 20, you know, or even 10. So I think like it's really about counting your blessings as you go to not like compare with other people, you know, like, wow, that people have 500 people banquet, ah, wow, you know. But I think they were also just counting their blessings that they could even have like a wedding with people there, not just family. And I think for them, like they were just very supportive of our journey as well. So really shout out to mom and dad. Hello, <laughs> you're listening to this. <laughs> Thank you for just being such great supporters of our journey. Really, really appreciate it. Both sides of our parents as well. Perhaps one of the silver linings from this pandemic has been that we have learned to let go, uh, perhaps not so controlling of what we expect all the time and sort of roll with the punches. With the changing rules and all these situations that are out of control, it can definitely bring about frustrations. And as this build up, it gets out, blown out of proportion sometimes. What are some tips or strategies that you can share with other newlyweds uh, adapting to married life? Something that Ruben and I have talked about is establishing this like don't mind mentality in our relationship. So I think it's a short form of like don't keep in mind, but I think it originates from sports. Typically when a teammate like fumbles or makes a small mistake, you know, drops the ball, generally it's said by other teammates to encourage the player or to affirm the player that it's okay because the main goal is to focus on winning the game. So if you drop a ball, it's like, hey, don't mind, don't mind, high five, you know, don't mind, uh, move on, move on. And I think that's the same mentality that we take with relationships. Don't mind the small fumbles. Don't mind the pettiness. Don't mind, like, don't sweat the small stuff. Forgive quickly and move on. Because, like, keep the bigger goal of, like, marriage in mind. And don't focus on, like, the small mistakes. I think that has really helped us. Keeping the goal of marriage, like, unity, you know, oneness, togetherness, as the big goal. And then just, like, don't mind all the other small details. I think that's really saved us on many occasions. Yeah, what about you, Ruben? I think for us, it's really, like, guarding time together to really like communicate so i think something that we've learned over the past couple of months is that the nature of your arguments are really like the product of what you talk about in your conversations during peacetime it's difficult to be clear about uh, what you believe in you know what you feel like is important when you're fighting but if those things are kind of like affirmed continually like day to day i do feel it brings like safety even during like a tough conversations so, yeah so like sewing in many of these conversations which can be very calm very relaxed right because it's just like peacetime just being open and honest about what uh, causes tensions to rise in each other and how we interpret certain behaviors being like tiny achievable commitments to each other about how we want to respond and how we want to make amends, what process we go through to feel like the gap's closed and also affirming things we believe. Like, hey, you know, sometimes when you're unaware and you do this thing, it upsets me. But what I know of you and your character is that you don't mean it, you don't have these intentions. So with these two things, can you like really, really need your help uh, for me, okay? And I feel like we really harvest from these conversations during fights because all those commitments to respond better, to not to resort to certain language and to make amends in a way the other person feels uh, understood and seen, they really make a difference and they come back during the tough moments. Yeah, It's like going to a fight with an actual battle plan uh, that you cultivate daily as opposed to just like reacting in the midst of emotions uh, in the moment. Can I find out where do you learn this strategy from? Is it something that you've read or is it from people you have seen or is it just your personal experience? 
I think for the don't mind one, it's really from court. So I'm not a sports person at all. I don't play anything. But Ruben plays everything. So it's something that I observed um, when he plays on court. Because he used to be the captain of like the basketball team in his varsity hall. So I always hear him say, like, hey, don't mind, don't mind. How chill, you know, like, don't mind. <laughs> and I think that sort of like behavior can be translated into life. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, don't sweat. Lah. Keep your head in the game. I think that's really helped us. We've been really, really blessed like, with like awesome community of like older people. Like even just being around them when they even have those conversations, you know, and, and they are really, really like, good models uh, for what that kind of communication looks like. And I think also our parents, like as, especially for, for my family, uh, there's a very strong culture of like taking walks. So my mom and my dad, you know, since young, we've always seen them go on walks and like talk. So I think that's something that we've really established for Ron and I. That's something that we want for ourselves as well. Like uh, go on a walk, you know, protect your time, uh, really, really talk and talk about serious stuff. Like, it doesn't have to be heavy, but I think it's always like an intentional thing to really like connect in the heart and not just like talk about, okay, you know, what happened in the day. And I really feel like we feel the effects of that like very directly, like even in conversations, like when it's like difficult and everything, those conversations really come and... Like it gives safety. It gives a little bit of padding. Wow. I just really appreciate both of you for sharing that because I think it's our everyday life where we are learning and we are gleaning from that kind of wisdom and that can be applied even for our own marriage. I hear you, Ruben, about going for that walks and having that space to dialogue the deeper stuff. Right now, though, um, when you're in UK and you're busy with your studies or busy with your work, how do you make space to dream for your future? What are some things that have helped you to do that? I think a lot of it is actually quite similar. I think sometimes I have like dreams uh, that generally don't come to the surface that easily. And I think it really, really helps when Ron is super intentional about like connecting in that way. So we have this thing, like not just like walks in the evening or walks in the morning, but we do this thing like before we sleep, right? It's called igloo time. It's where we like intentionally like connect before we sleep. And those igloo moments are really, really focused on talking about you know, like heart stuff, right? Or like even like what we're receiving and what we are praying about, what's really important in our hearts. And I think the things that are like a part of my dream, like where I intend on like going in the next five years, I think those things uh, have like a safe space in coming out in those moments. I feel like a lot of the the heart stuff uh, can be solved by small fundamental steps, even just like protecting time to really talk, protecting time to really like communicate. Yeah. Whatever my husband said, times 100. <laughs> just, just... <laughs> He's so wise. No, I really agree. Like, I think dreaming was a big part of, like, our theme coming here because it's like, how often do you get to be plucked out from your family, from your friends, move to a completely new country in the midst of a pandemic? Like, once in a lifetime, you know, for all those like, circumstances to, to come into place. And um, I think dreaming is a big part of who we are as people. Yeah, I think, like, I'm a dreamer in the sense of, like, artistically, but Ruben is a dreamer in terms of, like, his career, and, and I really, really admire that of him. And I think exactly, like, what he said. He always encourages me to, to like, protect my energy. So one thing that takes away my creativity um, from artistic things is when I consume too much things that take away my energy, like social media, like YouTube, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Instagram, you know, just, like, mindless things that actually take away your energy without you noticing. And then when you get to like creating new things because you're not like actively filling your soul, you're not actively seeking inspiration, which you can from those mediums, but most of the time we don't because we just go there for like minus kind of like thinking. And then it just makes you a very zombified person. Yeah. And then you you forget to like dream. You you when you go back to your like your your notebook or your canvas, you know, you're just like, eh, actually, where do I start from? Uh? Yeah, versus like when you protect your energy, you protect like what you see, you protect what you watch, you protect what you read. And you're very intentionally filling yourself with like good inspiration, talking to people who are 
encouraging, you know. And that's how it helps, like, me. Dream, I think it's same from Ruben as well. Ruben is really good at guarding his energy. He's really good about, like, not looking at his social media in the morning, first thing in the morning, which I am guilty of. He's very good on, like, going on walks, stuff like that. He's really good at protecting um, energy and, and dreaming, even. Wow, you know, actually, this thing about the mindless scrolling and just being disengage from our partner, from our spouse, I think that takes up a lot of our time sometimes, right? You know, we, we are just so engrossed with what we have been doing. And to some people, it's like, after a long day's work, I just want to relax. I want to do something that is mindless. But maybe our spouse, even as a newlywed, wants to engage with us in conversations and just to, re- to connect in a deeper way. People always talk about this honeymoon phase, right? Do you think you're still in that honeymoon phase? Or do you think that reality has, has hit really for the marriage and this is it, you know, we, we are living a life as a couple. How has it been? I think we have a little bit of like a strange in-between thing because right after we got married, like three weeks later, we uh, flew off to London. And so a lot of like our friends have been saying, you know, like, wow, that's like a one-year honeymoon, right? Because you're in London for, for a year uh, just after you got married. And I think in some ways that's true. But I also feel like in many, many ways, like real life started right then because we're moving into a new place it's not just about like going to see like touristy things in london it was also things like you know setting up our bills you know like like figuring out wi-fi like how to fix the washing machine a very very real life stuff like you know and it, it started right the moment that we landed in london and and it's been really really good there are many many good days the, the days that it feels like really like the dream there are also many many days where you're just confronted with real life, you know, like how to make uh, it work, even like interpersonally, like how to have two very, very different people just come together and make their lives one. And that's something that we are learning like every day, you know, like we we have come quite a long way, I think, since even like pre-marriage prep. But those are the things that we need to like work on like every day. And it's been a good process. I don't think I actually believe in honeymoon phase. If you want to talk about it, right, Ruben has liked me since he was 14. And then I only liked him when I was 18. And so then we only got together when we were like 20, 21. And so we did that for like five years. So it's been a long, long time, you know. If you want to call it honeymoon phase, we should have like stopped a long, long time ago. But I actually feel like conversely, our relationship has gotten even sweeter, even better over the years. Yeah, and I think it's the really like the intentional sewing in relationship every single day to like the small things that really builds the honeymoonness of it. Lah. And I think even in your 50s, 70s, you can be a honeymoon phase as long as you're intentional with it. The good, the bad... The beautiful and the ugly, right? And marriage can be many things. But with commitment to each other and a drive to grow, I think marriage can be that beautiful place that both of you were talking about, even when you're 50s, 60s or 70s. Do you have any parting words of wisdom to share with our listeners? I think marriage is very much about going along with the ebbs and flows of life. What I said just now, don't mind. Don't keep count of how much you've done. If not, it will grow resentment. But you're doing it for the team, not just behalf of your partner. So we're both Christian and I think we went through this process of pre-marriage prep and something that's really helped me understand how to approach differences. The goal of marriage is not that one person becomes more like the other. So for Ron to become more like me or for me to become more like her, but it's for both of us to continually work towards being more like Christ. And I think that's helped me a lot um, understand uh, when two people are really, really different, who should move. Wow, that's good stuff. That's all the time that you have for this episode. Thank you, Ruben and Ronis, for sharing your journey with us. Thank you so, so much, you know, just for tuning in uh, from London and to have this conversation. We really appreciate both of you. And congrats for the marriage in four months. And uh, we hope that you enjoy the rest of your time there in London. So for the rest of our listeners here, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, which is focusinthefamily.sg. And if you're on Instagram, you can follow us at thrivingfamilysg. 
thank you for listening to this episode. Until the next time, have a great week with your family. Thank you.